Today on CityCast Chicago, it's that time of the week again. We're looking back at the week's news. You know, the big stories we're still thinking about. The ones that maybe got too much hype. And of course, a little joy to send you off with. We've got Meha Ahmad from WBEZ with us. I'm just going to get barbecue with the taste. I'm like, I don't know if I'm feeling the art this weekend. I think I need some chicken. <laughs> it's Friday, July 9th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. So let's jump in. Meha Ahmad, senior producer at WBEZ, what is your top story this week? More than 100 people were shot. You know, it was expected. We go, we knew going into the weekend, this was the, the top thing the city was talking about. The city leaders were talking about aldermen. I mean, they held a special meeting in city council on Friday just to talk to the head of CPD about what they were going to do about the violence that was inevitably going to happen over the weekend. I still think, I mean, I will say for, for me, it was still worse than I'd expected, even as a journalist who, you know, is very familiar with these stories and, the, uh, and, and violence in Chicago. I was left kind of stunned, you know, Monday morning when we were hearing like, oh, more than 100 people were shot. It was, this overshadowed everything. And, you know, I just want to take a moment to remember that, you know, even as I say, like more than 100 people, th- these are people and human beings behind these numbers and families who've, you know, similarly been traumatized from the the experience. But that was, you know, this is a, a, a very Chicago story. It is a human story. It is a political story. Yeah. Something I said to a guest a few months ago is that when it gets hotter, it gets hotter. And it was the reaction to the weekend of violence from two of the top members of Chicago's criminal justice system, which is Superintendent Brown and Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox. You, even in your explanation of it, you were like, we knew this was going to happen. The city was talking about this. Activists were on the ground trying to make sure that the weekend was as peaceful as possible. And yet, when we get to Monday, Tuesday, two of the people at the forefront of criminal justice in our city are still like participating and finger pointing at each other. Superintendent Brown is pointing fingers at the court saying because the courts have been closed, because people have not been able to invoke speedy trial, because there's a backlog, that more people are being let out on electronic monitoring. And he's implying that a lot of the increases in crime are due to people who should be locked up in jail, but are instead being let go free by the courts. And then Kim Fox on the other end is saying, no, there's not much evidence to say that bail reform or letting people out pre-trial is leading to stems in crime. The fault is on you, Superintendent Brown, and the rest of the Chicago Police Department who are not arresting perpetrators, who are not bringing people who pulled the trigger in to face their charges. And relatedly, you know, the tribe tweeted out something yesterday that really caught my eye. There's this national, um, it was like a police study. Academics and professors, experts out of Irvine, California, examined over 700 police departments across the country over 700 police departments across the country and Chicago the Chicago Police Department was found to be the second worst police department second and I just looked at that number and I was like and you know you know what's actually really unfortunate I saw folks on Twitter reacting to that and Chicagoans who thought well who could be worse uh-huh. it's a department that has a huge huge budget tons of resources 1.8 billion. 
Yes, almost Something $2 like that. billion. Dollars. And it's the If you were the second worst. worst at your job, would you get a raise? Absolutely not. Like, would you... Like, would you just be able to, like, what other industry can you be the second worst, like, consistently while sort of in the community efforts to stem violence get, what, $37 million this year, which is more than last year, but it ain't nowhere near $2 billion. Nowhere near. Um, let's move on to our next topic category, which is what is something you learned about Chicago, something going on in Chicago this week? My first thought when I looked at this category was to try to tackle all of this uh, all of these uh, articles around what's going on with Lake Michigan, right? Uh, it's kind of currently oscillating between two extremes, which is extremely low and then also extremely high. But I'm going to be real with you. I don't think I, I read enough or I'm capable to really explain that. I know how important water is to Chicago. We were built on a swamp. We have for a long time had the dirty river running right into the lake. We pulled off an industrial feat by reversing it. But I don't think we've paid enough, enough attention to how Lake Michigan is warming, how it's rising, how that's going to impact the 22 miles of coast that we have from the far north to the far south side of the city. And then I didn't think I could talk about it and look at me. I agree. I don't know. Like, you know, we all know we're like, like, anytime anyone says like Lake Michigan's in trouble, we immediately start to be like, oh, no, what do we like? Climate change is ruining the lake. <laughs> like that's we depend so much on it. I will say like. Right before, you know, the tornadoes and storms that had hit the Chicago area in recent weeks, right right before that, we were experiencing a drought. Is it a drought? <laughs> Is it? The lake level still seems so high. And, you know, this ain't my wheelhouse, but I don't know. I, I'm like, which thing should I be worried about? Not enough water or too much water? Right. And it kind of feels like we're going through, like you said, both simultaneously. And so I was reading about how I think it was last year when we got that huge storm and Laura Wacker was flooding. And apparently what engineers had to do is they had to keep throwing uh, river water into the lake. But as the lake would rise, they would have to close it down to make sure the lake didn't spill in. But the fear is if the lake rises too high, there's nothing they'll be able to do about it. And it will just flood parts of downtown, the south side. Um, yeah, there's I'm, a very uh, throw your hands up and shrug like, I guess we're going to see what happens and cross yeah, our fingers and, and hope for the best kind of moment. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's literally a matter of inches. Man, I hope that we could do something about that. What's something you learned about the city this week? What I had learned <laughs> was, um, <laughs> this is more of a news story, that 99% of COVID deaths right now are among the unvaccinated. You know, I, I just wanted to bring this up because, you know, uh, BEZ just released a story um, about what the vaccination rates look like in the collar counties. And I want to read something that I could not believe, and I had to read it twice. Um, the vaccination rate in Northbrook, Illinois, is over 80%. And the vaccination rate in Dixmore, Illinois, is 13%. Yeah, and that's on like the far south side. Dixmore is predominantly African-American, and Northbrook, mm -hmm. um, I believe, is predominantly white. The top 10 most vaccinated are white and affluent, and the least 10 communities that are least uh, vaccinated are black and low income. It's not to say that I learned this about Chicago and the suburbs, because I think I already knew this. Mm -hmm. It's that it reinforced what I already knew. You know, to pair that with the 99% of COVID deaths are happening among unvaccinated people, we know who that hits. My soapbox moment. Please, y'all, if you're listening, get vaccinated, 
It's not enough even to get vaccinated. Get your mom vaccinated. Get your neighbor, get your friend, get your, you know, uncle who's like, I don't know what's in that vaccine, whatever. Drag them to Walgreens. <laughs> get vaccinated. 100%. All right. So our next category, and I'm going to let you lead us off, is what was the most hyped up story that you did not give a damn about this week? I got to say, it was it was the president's visit. <laughs> Come on. I'm right there. That was mine, too. So I'm not even going to. We just going to stay on that. Stay on Go that. ahead. Um, no, yeah. I, uh, Listen, I used to cover D.C. politics. I used to work out of Washington, and if the pre- that was during the Obama years. And when the president spoke, it didn't matter what he spoke about. You were there, you covered it, you recorded it, you monitor it, and, and you wrote a story about it. And, you know, the same thing with President Trump. You know, when he tweeted, he spoke, it made a headline. I didn't feel the energy, you know, like, bless him, but I didn't feel the energy for Biden's visit. It, it You know, there wasn't a lot of access. No, nah, I was right there with you. It didn't feel like the president was coming to Chicago because he did not. So all of the hype around, oh, the president's coming to town, I felt was a little overblown. And then for me, it felt just so politically motivated. Like he was going out to a part of Illinois that, you know, had a huge turnout for Donald Trump. So it didn't really feel like he was here to address the issues that Illinoisans are concerned about, Chicagoans are concerned about. There was no talk of anything that happened this last weekend with violence in the city. And so I, I can't really I can't really get hyped for that. Before I let you go today, I have to ask you for some good news. What was a moment of joy that you saw in the news or even that you experienced this week? And I'm going to say three words, Nicole Hannah-Jones. Can you explain for people who may not know the story? Yeah, so Nicole Hannah-Jones is a journalist um, for the New York Times and the uh, the journalist behind the 1619 Project, which was, if you haven't listened to it or read it, it is amazing. Exploration of how slavery is built into every piece of America's fabric. Absolutely. And she um, uh, was a professor at uh, University of North Carolina, where in the position that she was in... Um, Everyone historically in that position has always gotten tenure, and she didn't. And <laughs> she was the first black woman to get that position, and she, her tenure what was mixed up in a lot of, um, I would say, like some political drama. And you know, they made her really fight to grant her the tenure that she deserved. That finally, after you know, a really public and messy. I, I think struggle to get this, you know, tenure. UNC finally granted it to her, and the next day she said, Deuces. "Thanks, but no thanks." Howard wants me, and she uh-huh. went on over to the Mecca, like she went on over to Howard University. Yes, go where you are appreciated. Go where you are celebrated. Um, go where you are supported mm-hmm. and not just tolerated. And you know, Nicole Hannah Jones really, you know, sort of set an example, you know, every black journalist I know and every non-black person of color, especially in journalism that I know, it was like such a moment, you know, it was, oh, we don't have to stay in a place that barely just puts up with us and uses us as a, you know, checkbox. Um, God bless Nicole Hannah-Jones. I understand not everybody has the privilege to just leave their workplace, to leave their environment, to find a new career. Um, But at the same time, if you can and if you have that ability, that courage to chuck the deuces at disrespect, then, you know, follow that example and do just that. My moment of joy from this week, I talked about it a little bit yesterday, and it was the taste of Chicago to go. 
but I want to expand on that a little bit because, you know, I grew up with the taste. I, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know what it looks like, but tell me. I got you. So the event kicked off in Pullman at the Pullman City Market. And I didn't go to the the small to-go events last year, but I was very skeptical. I'm just used to the taste being in one central location. And yet when I showed up in Pullman, I was eavesdropping on so many conversations that were like, thank you for bringing this to Pullman. Thank you for having this in our community. The Taste Chicago is now moving to Austin, right? Uh, and so I went to Wednesday's kickoff again event in Pullman. And then on Thursday, it was in the Austin neighborhood with also uh, the House City or the House Music Festival. And so I've kind of warmed up to the idea of the Taste of Chicago moving around the city, as long as, of course, they're doing it you know, equitably, it's going across the city and not just staying sort of loop-centric. And from what I saw this week, uh, the people in those neighborhoods were so excited to have the event brought there. There was so much more uh, dancing and joy. There felt like the community really showed out to celebrate. I wasn't sure if I was going to go to Taste this year, but now I think I have to. <laughs> so, it sounds like it's more Chicago that way, right? Like, usually when you go to Taste of Chicago and it's it feels more commercial. Like, it feels, you know, really, like, sponsored by, you know, whatever organization, like, company. And th what you're describing sounds a lot more like like a block party. Meha Ahmad, WBEZ, thank you for shooting the shit with your boy. Of course, anytime. I love you, but you got to stop hitting that table. Oh, or... I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm going to sit on my hands. I'm sorry. Before I let you go, I got one favor to ask. Take our audience survey. We want to know what you love, what you want us to improve on with the podcast. It's available at chicago.citycast.fm slash survey. While you're there, sign up for the CityCast newsletter. Packed with stories, moments of joy, and some events to add to your calendar. I have to thank the team behind CityCast Chicago. Without them, we are nothing. Lead producer, Carrie Shepard. Producer, Simone Alisea. Newsletter writer, Sydney Madden. Sydney's in a room chilling. I'm in a closet. Carrie's under a blanket. Simone's under a blanket. This is, this is as professional as it gets. I'm going under. And thanks for all the music, Sam Trump and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. I have to save my last thank you for you. I'll talk to you Monday. Peace. Okay, thanks, guys. Bye. Okay.